Notice what he does is he says, I have always obeyed you mm -hmm. and you've never given me wealth. Mm -hmm. And so what does the father say? My son. So the father then, even though he insults him and he doesn't give him his title, mm -hmm. he still responds with one of compassion and love. Mm -hmm. My child, my own son. He goes, you have always been with me. Hello and welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. You may hear a different voice today. That's because today your host is me, Zach Peak. It's a little salty sometimes as the uh, preacher coming up, but this time I'm hosting and I've got Pastor Peak, Older Peak here. <laughs> the Elder Peak? Yeah, it's uh, kind of confusing. You know, there's Peak, there's Peak. Peak sometimes hosts, sometimes doesn't. It's all over the place. Yeah. But just, I'm Zach. This is my dad, Doug. We're here to help you build your own faith, to give you the tools to discover it for yourself, to kind of get through, put some salt on stuff and get through to the part of the matter. Yeah, the Learn skills, the techniques yeah. and uh, uh, frame of reference. It's Our goal here primarily is to teach you how to think for yourself, yep. uh, develop your critical thinking skills by digging into the history and letting you know that there's a lot to what we study. And the more you hear, the more you learn, and the more your horizons expand, mm -hmm. and the more your thinking skills develop. So mm -hmm. you learn not to take things at face value. You ask deeper questions. And that's one of the first steps of growing your own faith. So it's good to be with you, the listener today. And I hope that uh, all of you uh, are using this as an opportunity to grow personally and to help you grow the faith of those around you as well. Amen. So uh, Pastor Peak, Pastor Salty Peak, is that how you'd like to be? Pastor Salty Peak. We're just going to stick with that. Where are we at today? What are we talking about? Well, we're in a series uh, on the parables of Jesus through the entire summer. And today we're going to be talking about the parable, which it's commonly titled the parable of the prodigal mm. son. And it's found in Luke chapter 15. Now, what and does prodigal mean? Because I feel like that's like a commonly known, like everyone knows the parable of the, the prodigal son, but like I, I have no idea what prodigal means. Well, all. that's a great question. I haven't studied the derivation of the actual word prodigal, but in our day, in our mm -hmm. modern day English, uh, it's come to be one who has gone astray or one who goes their own way. And so, you know, look that up and see what the Latin derivation is on it. I'm not quite Prodigal. sure. Prodigal. Ooh, interesting. So according to the dictionary, Oxford Language Dictionary from yes. Google, I just type it into Google. We're not that fancy. Uh, spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. Yeah. Another uh, one is having or giving something on a lavish, lavish scale. So is there, a, is there a Latin root there yes, that it comes from? Yes, the Latin from? root is prodigus which prodigus. is lavish so prodigal son doesn't really refer to someone who goes away and comes back prodigal yeah. refers to the fact that he's just you know going in and just saying yeah. look at this kind paper. of a hedonistic yes, lifestyle just yeah. going for it throwing yeah. paper all over the place spending as much money as he can well and i think before we yeah before we read this i think i i'd like to just point out and uh, tim keller has talked about this is that this parable has really been misnamed over mm. the last couple centuries. 
Why and the that? reason why is because what a lot of people think is it's the parable of the lost son. Like mm-hmm. it might say that in your NIV translation. This NIV right here that I'm uh, on. But really what people don't realize is that this is actually a parable of both sons. And uh, the point of the story is that we look at both sons and we compare and contrast Mm. both sons. And in that, once you do that, you see the radical nature of the kingdom of God. Because what Mm -hmm. Jesus does in this parable is he radically redefines Mm -hmm. who God is and how we connect to God. Mm -hmm. And so that is really quite a dramatic shift. And that's yeah. why this has become such a, a powerful parable that so often is preached on. It's why it's so popular because it is so radical and transformative mm-hmm. in its message. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm excited to get to the end, especially here because I've heard, you know, when I, I kind of feel like everybody knows, you know, the story of, Oh, the son goes and he comes back, but there's also that little bit at the end yeah. with the other son. You know, and yeah, and so, I think the thing we have to do is understand the context in which mm-hmm. Jesus told the parable, and context is everything. And if you look at chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Jesus is actually at an event, and it says, Now all the tax gatherers and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain or grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. Mm, Don't you eat with sinners. And so what they're saying is they're they're showing that he is a non-religious person, Mm -hmm. right? By doing this, he's associating with the wrong types of Mm -hmm. people that would make him impure Mm -hmm. under the covenantal law. And so what's interesting, so then he tells a parable and he tells a parable of, uh, the lost sheep, he, mm-hmm. the lost coin. And then the biggest one of all is the parable of the lost son. And should, notice, should we call it the parable? Go some Charles Dickens, the parable of two sons, tale of two sons, <laughs> the tale of two sons yeah. trying to make a, a Charles Dickens reference there. Uh, you know, I'm just cities. thinking you said it's about both sons. So we should yeah. just call it the prodigal or lost and, son. Let's jump in and see what he says. Okay. Verse 11, it says now, and in, in the new American standard, it says, and he said, but in the NIV, they say Jesus continued because what they're trying to get at is that this parable was told in the context of these Pharisees yeah. complaining. And he, he, this is what he says. Now, a certain man had two sons. Now, there's an implication there. And he, the younger one of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me or of which I am owed. And the father divided his wealth between them. Uh, In the NIV, it says, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, just that quote alone right there would have shocked everybody, Mm -hmm. even the tax collectors and sinners eating with them. And it was completely shocking because... What is happening here is that in this culture, okay, they were uh, giving an inheritance and the son who was the oldest would get a double portion of whatever it was. So basically, because there's two sons, the implication is, is that it would be broken down into three portions and then two would, Mm -hmm. two thirds would go to the oldest son. One third would go to the youngest. So if you had five 
kids, you know, you would break it into six portions and the mm-hmm. oldest would get two of those. Yeah. And then the other four would get the remaining four. And the other implication that's really important here to understand is that what the son is doing in asking this is because none of this happened until after the father died. And what's really important to understand here to really understand the shocking nature of this request is what the son is saying is, I wish you would just die. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, my relationship with you, father is just been one of an ends to a mean. And that is, I want your stuff. I don't want what I don't want a relationship with you at all. What I want is I want your stuff. So I wish you would just go off and die. So is this younger son a teenager? Is that that (laughs) safe to assume? (laughs) It might be able to assume that it it was more than just Mm -hmm. disrespectful. It was shocking, Mm -hmm. absolutely shocking in its it's a statement of devaluation well, of a relationship with the father. I imagine people would have been mortified. Like just hearing that you would have been mortified. Like yeah. sometimes you hear of something so that's just so shocking and yes. so like appalling that you're mortified yourself just to hear it. Yeah. And I imagine that this is what it was. Yeah. The and if you read respect given to parents in that culture, exactly is all about yeah. respect. And part of the reason why respect is such a big deal is that because culture would demand that if a child did this, that one scholar says that the father is obligated to drive his son out of the house and beat him to an inch of his life in front of the whole community yeah, yeah. and say, what, you know, is a lesson to all the others. Don't mm-hmm. ever disrespect your parents. Yeah. And so no-no. the the next phrase mm-hmm. that Jesus says is even more shocking than the, what the son says. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is this. And he did it. Yep. He divided his wealth between them. And in the Greek, here's what's really interesting. What Jesus does is he doesn't use the Greek word for finances, mm-hmm. right? He actually uses the word bios. So he said, what he says is he divided his life mm. between them. Mm-hmm. And this really points to the underlying uh, essence of this culture. And that is, is that everything in their lives was tied up in their land. Yeah. And when you go back and you look at the whole point of the covenant and everything, mm-hmm. it was always about the land. And mm-hmm. it wasn't so much that they owed the land, but that they belonged to the land. Mm-hmm. And your land is what gave you standing in the community. Your land is what gave you economic possibilities. It was your economic future. Yep. You can't, in this culture, you just can't go out and say, you know, the industrial revolution hadn't happened yet. You can't just say, oh, I'll go sell my labor to somebody else. Yeah. You either had land, right, which you were a home or you produced your own food and your own economy and Mm -hmm. then they had a bartering economy or you know what you could do is you could put yourself into indentured servanthood and that was the whole notion of servanthood and sometimes they translate that as slave but that it was nothing like chattel slavery Mm -hmm. that we think of uh, prior to the civil war here in america Mm -hmm. it was totally different it was an indentured servanthood Mm -hmm. right so somebody who had done well managed their household well they wanted uh, more help you could go live on the estate and serve right and so and then you were required to be released after a certain period or you were required to be sent off Mm -hmm. unless you wanted to become an indentured servant for life and then you would pierce your ear Mm -hmm. okay and so 
by piercing the ear, you would mark yourself as an indentured servant of whoever you had indentured mm-hmm. yourself to. But that couldn't be forced on anybody. They yeah. would a lot of times choose that themselves. A lot of times people would do that like widows and like if you were a really young mm-hmm. widow or if you were a child that had lived, grown up, you didn't have parents, you didn't have any inheritance, you might say, I'll just stay here and do it. And oftentimes indentured servants uh, throughout generations would uh, receive an inheritance from the mm-hmm. family if the family was wealthy or, or was yeah. able to do so. So this is an important point to note. So not only is it shocking to the hearer, the request of the son. What's mm-hmm. even more shocking is the way the father responded. Mm-hmm. Is he agreed to it? And then it says, a few days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey in a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he prodigalized his stuff. He's, that, that's where the word prodigal comes. That's why it's the prodigal son. Yeah, because he being, went and he just he's lavishly being lavish. He's just throwing his money away. Yeah. So he has no concern for the future at all. Mm-hmm. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. He went and he attached himself to one of the citizens of that country. Now, you know how I said earlier is that if you were without Mm -hmm. uh, an inheritance or anything, you could indenture yourself. So he indentures himself to a foreigner, Mm -hmm. all right, and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. Now, at this point, point everybody there is like aha this is a story of what not to do because what this kid did was absolutely shocking yeah, yeah it's like you know you reap what you sow you, know, you reap you, what you sow you, you play stupid games okay. you win stupid prizes right. yeah and so here it is <laughs> yeah this is don't be that kid right mm-hmm. that's the don't do it don't do it don't do it and so i think at this point this is just kind of my uh editorial comment is all the scribes and uh Pharisees, like, oh, right, yeah. are going, yeah, he's yeah. yeah, he's bad. These tax collectors and sinners mm-hmm. are the people he's mm. talking about. You know, yeah. they're the prodigals. You know, they aren't worthy. And he goes, and here's what's interesting. But when he came to his senses, mm-hmm. and the, it's really interesting because in the Greek, it says when he came to himself. Mm-hmm. And so I always interpret that to mean is that he understood more of who he was, mm-hmm. right? So he came to his senses and he says, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight or before you. Mm -hmm. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. So what does he do? I know I've made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I know I've done a favor. So he comes up with a plan. Mm -hmm. And his plan's got all these steps of how he's going to get back into his father's mm-hmm. graces, right? So he has a plan of what he's going to do. Well, not fully to get back in the graces, though. It's not about fully getting back. Right. It's just like, I just need a little bit of this. That's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just saying, I'm going to try and work my plan. He's like, I'm not worthy, but I just, I, I know I'll at least be treated a little yeah. better. I'll at least have some food. That's I'll, I'll, I, I'll yeah. be a second-class citizen in my father's house. Yeah, you but know? that's better than this. But that's better than living out here in this mm-hmm. Crazy in the, world. In the pigsty. <laughs> in the pigsty. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, at this point, the tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees, and scribes would all be shocked because 
the, we don't understand the notion of fatherhood in the Eastern mm -hmm. mindset at all. In the Eastern mindset, the, the patriarchal role is one of stern, mm -hmm. autocratic authoritarianism. And in the Roman Empire, it was the pater familias. And mm -hmm. it was, he had absolute power over the lives of his children, even after they were married and mm -hmm. giving birth. In Rome, you could divorce your kids without their consent, mm -hmm. you know? And so Jesus is saying this, and these people are like, okay, Eastern fathers don't, Mm -hmm. aren't compassionate and loving, yeah, number you don't one. You do that. You don't do that. And number two, they don't run anywhere. Mm -hmm. Children run and women run because the most undignified thing is seeing a man grab his, you know, because mm -hmm. you wear these yeah, long robes. Yeah. They didn't have pants. Mm -hmm. So he has to gather them up and mm -hmm. do what? And it yeah. runs. So it's a very mm -hmm. undignified Well, I look. mean, debatably, still very undignified for anybody to go for a jog. You know? <laughs> Holding up their robe garments around their waist. Oh, I just mean, you see someone taking a jog, you know, down Eagle Road or whatever, you're like, ooh, it's pretty undignified That's right there. Undignified. Especially if he's a middle-aged man like me. Of course, I'm really not middle-aged anymore, am I? <laughs> a little so, bit past that. <laughs> he says... He says, he kissed him, mm -hmm. and then the son says to him, Father, and so his son enacts his plan. Yep. I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe, put it on him, mm -hmm. put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. So why do you think he put a ring on his hand? I would imagine that like a signet ring or signet ring or signet ring, if I can pronounce words, that was a symbol that he was part of the family, that he was not a worker, he was not a servant, that he was part of the familial blood and yeah. in that first class of, of group. Yeah, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Mm -hmm. And what does his father say? Don't pierce his ear, mm -hmm. put a ring on his finger. Mm -hmm. You see the comparison there. He goes, bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Mm -hmm. For this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found, and they began to be merry. So, so this really shocks everybody because his son does the ultimate insight, but the father forgives and mm -hmm. restores him. And what's interesting is then how the older brother, and then we'll talk about some implications yeah. <laughs> responds because the father said to his, uh, I'm sorry. Um, his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard the music dancing and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring about these things might be. And he says to them, said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound and he became angry and was not willing to go in and his father came out and began to entreat him but he said to his father now this is really important to understand this culture is the older son now insults the father okay because in this culture whenever you address your father how are you supposed to address him respectfully mm -hmm. and so you always would say father or Lord or mm -hmm. sir, or you would never say, but he doesn't do that. What he does is, and when you look at the Greek, he says, look, and in your English translation, there is an exclamation point. Mm -hmm. So this is an emphatic insult. Yeah. Well, right? and, I mean, we look back at verse 12 when the younger one is super insulting, even yeah. he says, father, give me my share. Like he's yeah. using that, that you're he saying, uses the but term. Then we yeah. come down to the, the older brother. He's like, Hey, 
Yeah, the older brother's like, hey, you, yeah. you know, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. Mm -hmm. And yet you have given, never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. Kid meaning a young yes, a goat. <laughs> goat. But when this son of yours came, he has devoured your wealth with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. So what, what, first of all, what's the comparison between the fatted calf and a young goat and all this kind of stuff. Now here's the deal. And that is, is that meat in that culture was a delicacy and very yeah. rare. Right. And Still a, a, fat, a fatted calf was <laughs> yeah. the ultimate thing. Yeah. And you would never do that for a family function. You'd only mm -hmm. do that for something like a wedding where you invited yeah, the whole community, special super special occasion. He says, you never even gave me a goat. Yeah. You know, to eat meat uh, or celebrate with my friends. But what's really interesting is notice the younger son insults the father by saying, I want your wealth, but I don't want you. Mm -hmm. And what does the older son say? I want the wealth, but I don't want you. He's saying almost the exact same mm -hmm. thing. See, this is why it's a story of two sons. Notice what he does is he says, I have always obeyed you mm -hmm. and you've never given me wealth. Mm -hmm. And so what does the father say? My son. So the father then, even though he insults him and he doesn't give him his mm -hmm. title, he still responds with one of compassion and love. Mm -hmm. My child, my own son, he goes, you have always been with me. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, the whole point of this is that you're with me. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. And that's what you've had. Mm -hmm. And all that is mine is yours. Okay. So then what he says is we had to be merry and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. And so I think what's so significant about this parable is that first and foremost, Jesus radically redefines the essence of God, the heart of God, mm -hmm. you know, to the Jews, they had a very similar perspective of God. And I, I don't want to overstate this case, but just to give people an understanding is what the Islam has of Allah in mm -hmm. uh, the Muslim feels that Allah is a capricious, meaning an arbitrary judgmental, harsh mm -hmm. God. And that your goal is to subject yourself to him. So he doesn't destroy you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that, and, and you see this in that the only way to guarantee your salvation in Islam is to die in a jihad. So mm -hmm. die in an aggressive, violent act. If you do that, so that is, so if that's the only way to guarantee salvation, then that shows that the heart of Allah is what it's one mm -hmm. of aggression and judgment. So these middle Eastern particularly Jews at this time had the exact same vision of God. So that's why the f first son who was the youngest who did what he did was such an insult mm -hmm. because he went out and he did the exact opposite of following the covenant. Yeah. He was lascivious and what, what did he do? He ran away and yet God restores him. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But guess what? The comparison is this, is that the the older son represented the Pharisees and the scribes. Mm -hmm. And that is, God, it's not that I want to be with you, but mm -hmm. I want what you have, your mm -hmm. wealth, right? And I want you to celebrate me because I've been obedient. Mm -hmm. And so what it is, is it what we see here is two forms of religion. 
Okay, the first form of religion is this ceremony, abide, obey, follow the rules, follow mm-hmm. the equation, and you can win the favor of God. You can win what God has. Mm-hmm. Or you can, the secular hedonistic thing, which mm-hmm. is I'm going to go out and do what I want and yeah. live a rebellion and I'll get, because God owes me anyway. And so you, um, you kind of uh, stand on the blessing of God that you're actually mm-hmm. alive mm-hmm. and you take your life and you squander it, right? Mm-hmm. So does that, do you see how the comparison is, is I that do. those are the two religions there today? Inter- there is an interesting line though in there. It's the, the father's response. It doesn't just say you were always with me. Mm-hmm. But it also says, and everything I have is yours, mm-hmm. which is an interesting line. I mean, it seems interesting. It seems like that's a positive thing for the older son. Yes. So what do you think the implication of that is? I mean, he can just take a goat. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I think what he's saying is mm-hmm. what the son, what the father is trying to instruct the son in doing in that specific phraseology, because notice what he says first. He says, you have always been with me mm-hmm. and everything I have is yours. Mm-hmm. So I think what I think the implication of that is, is that obedience doesn't get you stuff from God. Obedience brings you into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. See, so there's a, mm-hmm. there's a difference there. Yeah. And I think quite frankly, that this is really the whole struggle today. And that is, is that you have a whole lot of people who feel like, well, if I'm religious, mm-hmm. right, if I'm religious, and I'm a good person, then guess what? God owes me. God will give me stuff. Yeah, God owes me because I've Mm -hmm. followed the rules and I've been good and I've tried to be good. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, even to me personally, and says, well, I'm a good person. Why wouldn't God let me into heaven, you know? And the illustration that I always come back with is say, you know, there's this guy who built that, you know, really nice house up and and we live in Boise, Idaho, and there was a billionaire here called Mm -hmm. J.R. Simplot. And he is the guy who started figuring out how to flash freeze French fries and Mm -hmm. he supplied McDonald's with their fries. And so that got him, he became a billionaire. His conglomerate grew so massive and he built a house up on a hill, you know, this big massive house. He eventually gave it to the, to the state, Mm -hmm. you know, the state owns it now. But I used to say, well, you know, you know, J.R. Simplot built this house up there, you know, and then you you live in that neighborhood. And then one day, you know, you go up and you knock on his door and you say, hey, I want to move in. And he goes, well, why? And you say, because I'm a good person. And he's going to look at you and go, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't move into my house mm-hmm. because I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Now, if his son showed up and said, hey, dad. I need a place to stay for a while. What would he say? He'd say, sure thing. Mm-hmm. Come on in, you yeah. know, come stay with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, because why? I know you, you're yeah. my family. Well, if we're going to live up to our name and be salty, yes. then if, you know, the, this older brother is living the prosperity gospel. Yes. That's, well, that's what his mindset is. If yeah. I do it and if I'm, if I obey, you know, when it's funny, I like the NIV here cause he doesn't say I've worked for you. It says I've been slaving for you yeah. and never disobeyed. It's like, I've been working so hard. I've been yeah. putting everything into this. I want stuff. And yeah. that is the definition of the prosperity gospel. Yeah. And that's what he's living. Yeah. He's kind of saying God owes me. Mm-hmm. And I think what the, what he's doing is he's saying, look, when it comes to this is that if you want to connect to God, mm-hmm. The Pharisee religious way doesn't work, and the lascivious life mm-hmm. way of rejecting everything doesn't work. Mm-hmm. 
because what really, and I think on uh, Thursday we'll talk more in depth about this since we're, today we're just exegeting this passage, mm-hmm. is that he not only redefines the heart of God, he redefines the essence of salvation. You see, some people throw off their tradition. They throw off their religion that they were raised with. They want to go out and they want to pursue their own passions, their mm-hmm. own things, do their own stuff, right? Because they think that they're going to find life and salvation that way. You know, they're prodigals, but that doesn't work, yeah. right? That is a very empty path. Mm-hmm. But you have a whole bunch of people that grew up even in a Christian church, right, mm-hmm. who are moralists. Yeah. They're like, well, God has to like me because I grew up in the church and mm-hmm. I do what he says. Yeah. And what and so what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that you don't know God either. Yeah. Because you know what the essence of salvation is? Is to be with God. Mm-hmm. See, the reason we obey as followers of Christ is why? So that we can be aligned with the heart of God mm-hmm. and be in his presence. Mm-hmm. And what disobedience does is it separates us from his presence, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's that obstinance. You know, yeah. it's hard to have fun together when you have an obstinate dog, an obstinate mm-hmm. pet, an obstinate child, an obstinate employee or anything. Mm-hmm. So the issue is, I think, is that what this parable does ultimately is it really clarifies that the heart of God is not what you think mm-hmm. and Salvation is not what you think. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> you have no editorial good, comment on the to end? add to that. <laughs> I'm excited for Thursday. Okay. Well, we'll dig into that and kind of talk about some of the implications today mm-hmm. about why America is becoming so divided. Mm-hmm. Because I think that America is dividing into Pharisees and tax prodigals yeah right you know prodigals yeah older and younger sons yeah older and younger sons yeah and i think both sides are missing the point Mm -hmm. and so we have to return to the essence of uh what true faith in christ Mm -hmm. is really is and that's what this parable is all about so Mm -hmm. i want to say thank you everybody for listening today thank you to my son for co-hosting in jesse's place and this is the salty pastor signing off and saying blessings on you